Spags, it's Friday, and we got USFL Week 2 DFS and another underdog draft here before the NFL draft. Yeah, the USFL's games will be kicking off tonight, so we're going to talk about the Friday games, some Saturday games, a Sunday game. We also, as Pete mentioned, going to do an underdog rookie sophomore best ball draft over there to celebrate the NFL draft not that far away. And also some NFL news. Debo Samuel apparently wants out officially, so pick up your Friday beers and let's hit this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? How'd you make out this week? Uh, I'm doing good, but not as good as you. You got the Friday afternoon beer uh, going on. I just had lunch, and you know what? It didn't even cross my mind to crack open a beer for this show, but that's why you're just on another level than me. You know, that's what I like to have a little fun on this show. And nothing signifies that more than having one beer that I'll probably uh, sip lightly in between talking all show long here. But it gives me that cool, detached vibe that, that Pete, I know you and I both strive so effortlessly for. Isn't it funny how I I think about that sometimes with a beer where it's like, even if you're just having one beer, it's not even that you're getting a buzz. It's not even necessarily that you love the taste so much, but it's what it signals to you as like a frame of mind. You know, like if you go for, you have a hard workout and then like you crack a beer, you're like, this feels like a reward thing that I associate it with. So I like the idea of just having a beer solely for the mental mindset that it could potentially put you in. Yeah, I think, you know, I am also definitely drinking to get drunk today. 9.5% <laughs> Golden Monkey here. Uh, of course, oh. Victory, a local brewer in Philadelphia, but one you can get anywhere else. And I'd very much recommend the Victory Golden Monkeys if you like yourself a nice triple IPA. But let's dig into this, this everything we got, I guess, going on. NFL news, USFL, we talked about a rookie sophomore draft. But first of all, let's get the plugs. Go over to footballoutsiders.com right now. Check out some of the articles on there. The FO40 sponsored by Underdog um, presented as well. So lots of stuff that they are you know going to be important to you when you're doing the rookie sophomore drafts like we're doing everything on fo is trying to cover that so covering it from the real nfl perspective covering it from the fantasy perspective it all comes together com- comes together over at footballoutsiders.com so go check that out and if you want to subscribe as well a uh, football outsiders almanac coming out in a few short months data will be coming out um, and being updated as we go so footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe great place to go as well and also uh make sure you are subscribed to peach channel subscribe to the splash play channel we're starting to put out some more content on both uh pete we're even crushing on twitter views now three x the views that we had normally and people i know really care about the business parts of this and and us putting clips out there we're really just helping evangelize the brand in a way that nobody else wants to do for us yeah you know our our viewers our listeners they're in on the ground floor they were here when you started your sports betting TikTok account they've been here as we work to you know up our game from an seo uh perspective so yes we're, we're always willing to peel behind the curtain here and uh while we're doing that we also need to give our guy paul uh Ooh. who has been on the show previously uh happy birthday turns 35 Today, you are almost just two months older than me, exactly, uh, Paul. So uh, happy birthday and uh, enjoy your beers today. And you both are 10 years older than me, so that's crazy how that works out, this this content game of ours. No, Spags, no. no. If I shave this beard, I'm telling you, like it's it's gonna happen one day where I just I don't feel like my face is fat and, and fatherly slash alcohol bloated, whatever the case may be. But then I, you'll come on, I'll come on the show and you'll be like, well, who is this young movie star coming out? Is this somebody dating Kristen Stewart? Also, that's already feels like a dated reference. I mean, do you wanna give you an idea for me with facial hair? I haven't shaved all week. So you just don't grow at all. You're not a grower nor no. shower. No. I mean, you can kind of see it once you start to zoom in there, like the scruff. But I mean, when we're backed up here, I mean, you'd never know. That's like Sandy Surfer Boy facial hair, where it's like, oh, there's just like a little bit, but it's probably nice and soft too, like a baby's bottom. Uh, come on now. Now you got now. Now you're spreading false news. So I've been doing literal internet content now for uh, 12 years and then was doing actual real life PR jobs before that. So no, I'm unfortunately not uh, Though Yeah, we try to rep. I think we do represent fairly young in terms of the, you know, the overall broadcasting industry where like, it's always shocking to hear like uh, the guy who's a new voice of like MLB. I forget which one he is. He's like 50 years old and it's like, oh, this is you've been fucking grinding for your break for literally 25 years. Uh, yeah, but uh, this show keeps us young, Spags. That's that's what happens. 
And speaking of keeping us young, so does the NFL news where wide receivers tend to be a wanting to get paid now more than ever. And Debo Samuel, a guy that we talked about, uh, I think last week we touched on some of the wide receivers out there looking for new deals, guys, in their final year of their rookie contracts. Debo's one of those guys. Terry McLaurin, another. A.J. Brown is another. We've got some updates on Debo. First, Pete, where apparently he wants a trade. Uh, it's been reported officially. Twitter people out there were fake newsing some trades to the Vikings, which I don't really see how that would make the most sense. But I'm sure, you know, fan fiction is always going to be a popular thing, whether it be for sports or for hentai either way pete though we do have debo samuel requesting this trade do you think it happens because it feels like the niners probably don't want to pay him as much as he thinks he's worth uh but also using him as a running back using him as in a as much of a swiss army knife role as anybody out there it feels like debo probably does deserve a contract if not you know stefan diggs level certainly some approximation therein yeah my my inclination is that they're going to get this worked out i mean debo part of his versatility is that he's going to be able to work in whatever kind of environment they have, you know, whether that's a Jimmy Garoppolo led team, a Trey Lance led team. Um, he's such a big part of their offense that I can't imagine they are going to let him go for anything outside of a Godfather offer. And I just don't think that teams are going to be able to kind of pony up uh, in a way that the 49ers would let him go in the same way, like the Seahawks were casually shopping around DK Metcalf or at least teams were fishing for him. And, you know, their asking price is astronomical. And I think the 49ers asking price should be as well. I think this kind of just falls into the same bucket uh, as a lot of our offseason news, you know, with these, you know, these, the wide receiver divas, you have your Kyler Murray's and they, they all want to get paid. They all want their, you know, 15 minutes in the sun. And I think he's just doing a little public posturing to uh, let everyone know that he is important and he wants to feel valued and he wants to get paid. So I don't know. I think cooler heads will prevail. I think it will work, work out. I can't imagine the 49ers moving on from him. See, I can imagine them moving on, and I think it depends on if the Jets come their way with the package they've been offering everybody for an alpha wide receiver this offseason where uh, they were in on Tyree Kill. Reports are that they've sniffed around a bunch of other guys as well, DK Metcalf being one of them. I feel like it wouldn't surprise me for the Niners to be like, yeah, draft capital's draft capital. We feel like we can replace this production with some combination of George Kittle, Juwan Jennings, whatever you pick up in the in this offseason slash in the NFL draft. Like, I wouldn't be shocked, Pete. And I think, too, we're also just kind of due for this wide receiver bubble to burst where the Jets clearly want to pay somebody big time if they do get a Debo or AJ Brown actually you know, to the table to want to take a trade to them I think then that's where that kicks in a little bit more but I feel like you're kind of going to see both sides coming up here where I wouldn't be surprised if we see one more big deal I also wouldn't be surprised to see this bubble burst and guys end up playing on franchise tags coming up more on um, this season next offseason whatever the case may be but I you would don't see any world at all where Debo could go like it, again we don't like we always like to grade the odds here what percentage or what you know what odd level would you give for Debo actually moving on well, I mean, the the rumor when he said why he wanted to get traded was because of his running back usage. He was saying that he doesn't, you know, want to be used like that. I mean, wouldn't a big selling point of acquiring Debo be that versatility and that you'd get to use him in a variety of ways? So I guess I'm actually curious if the running back usage is just a code for something else that he's actually upset with maybe he's not a big Trey Lance fan maybe he's worried about the offense there I don't know I'm just having a hard time really understanding what his gripe is um and how that would necessarily be solved by going to another team like if you're Debo Samuel do you really want to go play for the Jets uh as opposed to Kyle Shanahan I mean you're leaving to an incredibly competitive conference to a coaching situation a team situation a qb situation that is i think far more shaky than what you have in san francisco i don't know if if you just want the bag i get it but debo strikes me as such a competitor too and a guy that wants to compete in the playoffs and for super bowls and to me it feels like san francisco is much much closer to that I mean, Robert Sala, former you know Niners coach, I feel like maybe could be something there with the Jets that does make that a little more likely. I'm just reading tea leaves, connecting some dots of these things happening this offseason, and I, I'm going to mostly agree with you. Like, I think it's unlikely the Niners would give him up. I think the running back thing, maybe something about his contract, where if you're taking X amount of snaps at running back, maybe that's somehow cutting into your value as a receiver, and he probably wants to be paid like a number one receiver. Tube Sox saying he knows running backs get hurt and wants to get paid ASAP if he's doing this role. It's also pretty viable too. I think there's a lot of ways to to read Debo's discontent, but at the end of the day, like if if you're paying him what Diggs is getting, like he'll probably shut up and do whatever you ask. Uh, similarly, the Titans also they have no interest in trading AJ Brown. Um, you know, Pete, we're going to talk about Terry McLaurin in a second here, but just 
if you had to guess which of these guys is more likely to go, I feel like the AJ Brown whispers out of all these guys have been the quietest besides that one report that he's not going to do the off season workouts, but like he shouldn't be doing it at this point in his career anyway, if he's trying to get that big contract. Yeah. I mean, the, the one that honestly still makes the most sense to me is DK Metcalf just because of the trajectory that the Seahawks are heading in right now. And uh, they just, it, the other team, and I guess you could say Terry McLaurin, but again, we're, we're in this new meta right now with the NFL where these alpha wide receivers are so important for how you can run an offense, how you can elevate uh, the quarterback play around you. And so I, I don't know. I feel like it would really take um, a massive offer to pry one of these guys away from their teams. I think it's all, it's unlikely. I think the most likely thing is none of these guys get moved, but the Seahawks breaking uh, and, and shipping off DK Metcalf would be the one I could actually see happening. But yeah, I think that makes the most sense. And AJ Brown, I think you know, weirdly you could probably make the best case for him being movable relative to what the Titans achieved last year with um, him being out for chunks of the year, Julio Jones being out and also not the most effective when he was in there. And they still ended up with that top seed, you know, didn't pay off in any meaningful way, but still, you know, a spot where they could have made some, hey, you know, if, if things worked out their way or things just broke a little better for him. So um, AJ Brown, I feel like, make the best case for him to get traded. I think Debo's more likely to get traded out of those two guys. And again, nothing new on the Terry McLaurin front, but I thought this was funny, Pete. The commander said that they view, and this is an exact quote, they view Carson Wentz as more than a bridge quarterback. Kind of things you have to say in the offseason just to get the fans feeling good about this move. And maybe Carson does have some juice left in the tank. But Pete, again, what are the what's the likelihood here that Carson actually makes it, let's say even through this whole season, let alone to a second season as the commander's QB? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to define i mean carson wentz is literally a bridge quarterback like mm -hmm. or, sorry not literally uh but about as close to the definition of a of a bridge quarterback as you can get at his age at 29 years old not a top 10 quarterback in the league like they're plugging holes uh around him obviously they think he can play better than he did in philadelphia um and in indianapolis but of course, it's a bridge quarterback. They're 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 biding their time until they can find the next quarterback they like. And this seems like a good year to take a bridge year, right? I mean, it's not a loaded quarterback class. Um, maybe the picks don't really line up for them to get a guy they like, and and they think Carson Wentz can keep them competitive for a year. Um, that makes sense to me. But of course, you don't want to say out loud <laughs> that Carson Wentz is a bridge quarterback. So um, to me, there's there's not much to that quote. It is one of those things that as the commanders are giving lots of, including uh, to judicial organizations out there, giving lots of fodder just to be made fun of and poked holes in. And I think that's probably the case here. But you got to say those kind of things, whether you're Ron Rivera, whether you're the front office. So I'm with you on that. I think overall, Carson Wentz, we'll see if he has anything left. This is probably his last shot, you'd think, to be a starting QB. And we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, Pete, let's dig into some of this other stuff here. And actually, is there anything else? I, I didn't see the Fantasy Life newsletter come through. I don't know if you're taking some time off or if I just missed it. Uh, but anything else news-wise that struck your fancy at all? Uh, yeah, no. Newsletter right now is Monday and Thursday. So there, okay. uh, there's Got one it. yesterday, but um, not today. Um, yeah, I mean, mainly just uh, you know draft rumors, uh, stuff like that. It does seem like we're the conventional wisdom right now is I saw, I, I saw Josh Norris had a tweet. Um, he likes the under two and a half QBs in round one, which is, you know, most mock drafts right now have two QBs. I still just felt like when, you know, the bright lights are on that some of these teams are going to want to get a quarterback later in, in round one, but that's interesting. And we continue to get tons of buzz on, on wide receivers. And I still think we're going to probably see at least six go, um, in round one. So yeah, I'm just kind of getting excited for the draft, uh, next Thursday, but yeah, not a ton of news otherwise. Yeah, I still I'm with you on that prop bet as well. The idea of taking under two and a half QB seems logical. Kenny Pickett, we talked a lot about he probably just going to go higher uh, than Malik Willis, even though Malik Willis, I, it certainly wouldn't be a surprise to see him go. Uh, even some quotes this week from Jared Goff talking about how he's not going to be a, you know too mad at the Lions, as he probably can't be mad at anything at this point, uh, but not to be too mad if they take another quarterback. But besides that, you know, the Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter tier of guys seems like a, a bridge too far for a first rounder. So I, I'm pretty comfortable with that bet as well. Uh, let's talk about the USFL, though, Pete. It's week two. 
too. And um, the tournaments on DraftKings, I have to say, I'm doing mostly single entry this week just because none of them really struck my fancy enough. But um, obviously, we talked about some of the DFS issues on Monday's show, and you talked about it on Lulz as well with Brian Hooper, who is probably one of the biggest spenders in DFS out there um, and also one of the biggest earners too. Uh, how are you feeling about this week's tournaments? And, uh, you know, I think we reacted on Monday enough, but I feel like the more I've had time to sit with it, like, it just sucks. Like, it's just not, there's nothing really good that's going to spur up interest in week two. Yeah, I did. Um, I was planning on making the transition like you to doing some single entry and three max um, building one or two teams, but the prize pools are just so small for that. Uh, unless mm -hmm. I really want to like pony up for one of the more expensive entries, which I don't necessarily feel like. So I ended up just registering 25 teams in the, the big contest, the $12, 100K um that has 25k up top so i uh, yeah it was just like kind of like you what you were describing it's what what makes it exciting what makes it fun um you know the 25k up top is is still really nice so i figured i would go mme bro uh again and uh yeah i was doing some research earlier today excited to uh to make my lineups for for that tonight and i don't know what how do you feel in general now about a four game slate across, you know, three days or is it three days or is it just two days? No, it's three days. It's so three it's Sunday days. Yeah, too. There's days. like a, a showdown game on Sunday. And I like, honestly, I think the Sunday game is the most appealing one. It's the breakers versus Tampa Bay, two teams that uh, showed a good amount. be really on both sides of the ball um, in their first week, one games. But I feel like overall, like I, I don't, a, I don't like three day tournaments for anything besides golf. I guess that's the one, but even then you're not having a late swap. Like you're pretty much locked in there. So you can kind of enjoy it over the course of the, the four days there guys making the cut guys making the weekend, all of that for this though. I just feel like it doesn't reward it where I'd rather have a, a bigger tournament pool for Saturday. I'd rather have, I know the two gamers, people tend to not like those, but like, I don't know, like three days worth it and having to pay attention in three different slots just to maybe even ensure like profitability is never my thing. So that's why I figured yeah, I'll throw in five to 10 single entries and, you know, and at least I'll have some skin in the game, if not as much as I normally would for NFL. Yeah. Um, Dylan saying DK really killed my USFL <laughs> chub. I mean, it is, it is disappointing here. Obviously this locks in about five hours. I, I assume this contest will fill, you know, we're at 7,300 now. Uh, what is that about 2,500 more to go? And I, I do think that will fill, but I I've just been upset that they didn't give us a chance at, uh, filling a bigger prize pool because mm -hmm. we didn't know we didn't have a good data set as far as like with a full week and people getting excited about hundred K and everything trickles down. Right. I mean, sites push out more content, will devote more shows, resources to something where there's bigger prize pools, where they know there's the attention from it. And so then you put this out and, um, you know, obviously our grinders, our Cody Mains, our Justin Freeman's um, still pushing hard uh, on this stuff. But you, I think it's fair to wonder where interest levels are going to be in a week or two from here. Even the play action, like that's normally what I enter for NFL every week. I've talked in the show. I think in our first season, we did a show with Davis where I was like, my, my, one of my goals is still to win one of the play actions, preferably an NFL main season one because that 100K would be nice. But I feel like overall, like it's 1K flat uh, up top for the play action. Then from there, obviously, with any, you know, any of these DK tournaments now, um, it just gets worse from there. Like it just didn't do enough for me. And, and I feel like that's, that's the part where if you want to get casual interest going, like, you know, uh, the three three dollar twenty max tournament that has twenty five k up top even like I feel like that's something the US felt if I were the US felt I would just throw money towards that and subsidize it if you could. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is what we were talking about on Lulz how with the how stupid the DFS laws are that you know the sites have to guarantee the prize pools and so then they're terrified about overlay where if they could have a flexible model you know similar to what poker tournaments used to be and if a bunch of people register the prize pool gets really big and if a bunch of people don't then it just shrinks and the contest runs and DraftKings doesn't eat a bunch of overlay like obviously that would be perfect for contests like usfl where they don't have a lot of data to project you know the interest level with this stuff and so you know, it makes sense that they don't want to take too many L's on this, but I feel like they should have given us another chance when they were the ones who messed it up last week. 
Yeah, for what it's worth, and this is you know something where we don't normally talk about like page view counts of things, but I thought it was interesting because um, one of our guys, Brian Knowles, over at Football Outsiders, was writing a lot of the USFL previews that we talked about on this show. I really did good work kind of culling information on it. Um, he wasn't sure if he should do like a week-by-week preview show or wasn't sure of the audience there, like he was going to do it, I think, because we asked uh, regardless. But it was interesting to note to me that our week one recap article on Football Outsiders was actually the highest page view article of the week and was about 2x what uh, was number two, which is my 10 years ongoing NFL draft content. So I think it's really one of those things where, you know, if you're a content creator out there and you are really going all in here, it seems like it's tough. But I think that's when the opportunity really is, is like when you are, you know, covering the USFL and people want to hear more about it, there's still going to be a million viewers this weekend per game, probably, if not a little bit more. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that people feel like it's less hot than it is, but because it's on TV and because it's football, like, and on broadcast TV and push pretty heavily, like there's still going to be interest in it. It's just like, if, if everybody else treats it like nothing, it's going to be ultimately not creating a lot of value for the DraftKings, for the content people out there. Yeah, and I mean, this would have been the perfect weekend for the big contest, right? Because last mm-hmm. week we were dealing with uh, Easter Sunday, too. Like, a lot of people had stuff going on. A lot of people didn't want to be around their computer, you know, late-swapping USFL lineups on a Sunday. And we're also we're at the tail end of NFL free agency. There's kind of a calm before the storm with the NFL draft next week. Like, this would have been the perfect weekend to blow it out and have a bunch of people uh, hanging around playing USFL DFS all weekend, and then we didn't get the prize pools to kind of help uh, buoy that enthusiasm. So we're going to keep rolling. Uh, I posted in the deposit kingdom discord and the run the Sims channel, uh, the leverage plays um, looking at the Sims relative to some projected ownership out there. So we're still grinding, still excited to, to make some lineups up here, but yeah, DraftKings definitely harshing our mellow. And as Bullock points out there, inefficient markets will always breed opportunity. That is definitely true. And even if it's not, you know, the biggest prize pools in the world, not as big as NFL or NBA playoffs or whatever else is going on out there, you know, still is worth, you know, probably throwing some money towards because you are probably going to have more information than a good amount of people playing there um, just by listening to this show or watching this show or um, run the Sims. We've talked about Osmo doing their USFL projections, really any sort of North star you have ETR and Cody Maine and what he's doing. Um, just get something you believe in out there and just use it for yourself and you'll probably find uh, some decent results. But Pete, are you ready to dig in for ride or die picks and go game by game on this? You feel adequately prepared. That's the question I would have. Um, yes. As a USFL thought leader, I, I don't even have to prepare. It's just kind of in my bones spags to have takes on, on all this stuff. I wasn't confident enough in my ability to go like off the top of my head like we can for NFL where Pete and I, you know, we'll talk about general segments and we were pretty much prepared to talk about wherever those go. For this, Pete, I actually had to update my Excel spreadsheet. So I had everybody's projections. I have the Osmo projections. I have the run of Sims. I have the spread, the the team totals overall. Like I had to put something in front of myself because I don't don't I didn't trust the brain functionality to be there for the USFL yet. Yeah, no, like I, my main research uh, that I've done so far was looking at the sim optimal rates compared to ownership. So I've definitely flagged some guys who look like um, you might want to be overweight on and some guys you want to be underweight on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, this will be another weekend too, where I think we do have enough. Um, there's some injury stuff as well, where things are going to change as the weekend progresses. I think that was also one of my reasons of being reluctant to MME. Uh, was just knowing that it's, uh, at least for me, is not a regular MME bro, a little bit more work to update your lineups in a smart way if stuff does change, you know, compared to if you just have one or two. Um, and so I think that's another interesting dynamic uh, for this weekend because a lot of people will set their lineups. I mean, you could look at the uh, the Poindexter ownership last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he came in at a very high ownership. I forget what the exact number was, and it didn't budge. Um, even though people knew that and had the opportunity to do it. So I do think there is a a big edge this weekend if you are willing to adjust your lineups as we get new information because the field has already kind of shown they're not willing to do that. So let's get into the USFL Week 2 game uh, game. And if you're watching on Peach Channel or the Splash Play Channel, hit that like button if you can. Helps us out a bunch. The first game up that is on tonight, we got the Michigan Panthers and New Jersey Generals. Generals a one-point favorite, 20.7 implied points. The Panthers 19.75 implied points. And Pete, I'll throw it to you first here. What would be your ride-or-die pick for this Friday night football bright lights clash the Titans? Yeah, I am going to go with uh, Darius Victor. Uh, as my running back play, he's looking like he's not going to catch uh, a ton of ownership. I was seeing about 5% 
uh, projected for him. He has that cheap salary at $4,000. I think one big takeaway everyone had from the first week of USFL is we all were not playing enough running backs. Um, a lot of these teams are running six, seven wide receiver rotations, and it's very hard to kind of safely project targets. Whereas a lot of these backfields only have a couple running backs rolling here. And uh, I thought Darius Victor there, who, you know, doesn't have a massive projection, seven to eight points, um, but is showing up in the Sims a, a decent amount at that at that level. So I'm going to make him uh, my ride or die play. Who do you got? Um, I think I just quick note on Victor. Like, I think it's interesting there because Trey Williams is going to get a lot more headlines. A guy who did have more pass game work. So I think um, it makes sense to expect that maybe Victor, if he gets a touchdown or two, can can level that out a little bit better. I will actually go a different way, though, where I'm a little bit terrified because, as I talked about, I'm pulling in the awesome uh, projections and the run the Sims projections and just kind of grading them out against each other, seeing where there are some inefficiencies. Awesome and Matt Kajewski, who I've talked about over there, is very sharp. As Lance Lenoir, uh, Lance Lenoir projected as one of the highest projected players of the week 14.6 fantasy points justin has him at nine so that's actually one of yeah. the biggest discrepancies on the week pete and i'm a believer in what i saw from lance denoir he was a guy who's a former nfl prospect i think weirdly there's like a, a strange amount of former cowboys in here i believe he's one of those guys as well uh, but somebody that i worry about following you know frankly awesome projections i'm sure will be deployed a bit more than some of justin's will but i feel like I'm terrified to not get the chalk here. Like that's a giant projection on him. He was one of the target leaders last week with nine targets. So I'm a Lenoir believer, even though it feels like this could completely sink your lineup on Friday night, which would be the worst possible outcome for the four game slate. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to what do we think that ownership actually, you know, settles at. I, I do think just as a very, simple rule of thumb second week in a very new league there's going to be a lot of randomness and noise in those wide receiver kind of projection metrics um and whereas i think it's a little easier to project the running backs after this week so i just wouldn't want to you know chase the fields overconfidence into you know wide receiver projection when that's kind of difficult to do right now so yeah seeing lance at you know plus um, I was looking, comparing the Sims to his ownership and he was actually one of the guys to be most underweight in, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, almost 10 percentage points less, um, in the Sims than his projected ownership. So I just be careful about that. I do think if you are double stacking or you are kind of going overweight on this game, like obviously he's a good guy to have in your lineup, but I would say on the flip side, probably not wanting to play one-offs with him. And Randy Satterfield, much cheaper despite being the top receiver in the league last week. Um, not a great projection again from Run the Sims, a better one from Osmo, but 4,800 on DraftKings is going to be somebody that is probably a, a very crucial play to get right on this weekend. Next game up on Saturday, we got the Pittsburgh Maulers, the Philadelphia Stars, and apparently it's also rivalry week for the USFL, which is there's really not a lot of crossover between Michigan and New York. But uh, this one, though, it is in-state rivals, Pete, and I guess I have to go first, and I am finding it tough to go back the Madre London way. He was so bad on Monday night, and granted, did have some interesting plays like seven yards behind the line of scrimmage where he was just running around trying to make something happen. Didn't work out at all. Still projected well and run the Sims. And I want to take him as being something, Pete, but I think you got to go the Stars way. And I will take that Brian Scott as actually the tournament winning QB for the four game slate because uh, this Pittsburgh team was so bad on Monday. Like it felt like Tampa Bay could have done whatever they wanted. They just didn't because they knew they didn't have to. Brian Scott, though, top throwing guy. And I feel like overall, uh, you know, a yardage leader in week one. I feel like a guy we've talked about as well. Like I feel like the Stars stack to me is really compelling. And Brian Scott, I think, wins it all. Yeah, I like uh, I like Brian Scott a lot. He looks like a pretty neutral play, you know, as far as people want to play Brian Scott, but he's also appearing in The Sims uh, a good amount of the time. Uh, so yeah, that looks good. Other guys who look like um, kind of popular but potentially neutral plays, Matt Colburn, uh, uh, the running back for Philadelphia. He looks popular but also popping pretty nicely. Um, it actually looks like the defenses here are going to be a little overused, um, just because I think people want to target, um, these quarterbacks a bit. I will say, you know what? I'll go back to the tight end. Well, with Philadelphia, I thought bug Howard looked pretty, uh, pretty good last game. And I think, you know, if you think about his salary, he should probably be priced more as like a wide receiver to a one B type wide receiver salary. And he's still here at 3,700 and yet he's projecting, you know, for more points than, you know, some of his other 
um, wide receivers in, in that offense. So I'll, I'll go with Bug Howard here, um, looking like a, a nice value and probably going to still be sub 10%. You know, Bug Howard, a guy who's going to be a direct pivot on a much better projected DeAndre Overton. Uh, people point out in the chat as well. And honestly, it's so funny where people like we're all kind of trying to make the secondhand lingo. But FF Doom asking is Roland out? Uh, yes, Chris Roland actually is projected to be out, as is Devin Gray for Philadelphia. Uh, two guys who projected or would have projected pretty well going into this week, you would think. So as a result, DeAndre Overton, I would assume, is going to be one of the chalkiest plays, Pete. And and that to me makes your Bug Howard play Morch thing as a pivot point because Overton, a 12.9 fantasy point projection on Austin. 11 or just shy of 11 on run the sims it feels like to me like over 10 if people are optimizing it all out there like he's probably going to pop up in a lot of lineups yeah and uh i saw you know if it, there's a few of our our thought leaders out there that can you know reasonably move some usfl ownership and cody main here was pumping uh deandre overton mm -hmm. on on twitter which uh i think is enough to get him a little steamy uh here in our contest so yeah i think i am uh despite us sharing half of a, a last name overlap, I am going to have to be underweight, under 10. You'll have, you'll have to be going under on overs, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, Peter for under. You. And, um, Maurice Alexander, also a guy who could be a pivot as well, does have a decent projection from both Run the Sims and Osmo, 3K flat. Uh, so Bug Howard, Maurice Alexander, probably the pivots. <laughs> you're, you're chalky DeAndre Overson. What a silly sentence to say out loud. The other Saturday game, Pete, one that our own Justin Freeman's asking about if uh, we're talking about Alex McGough getting Wally Pitt by Jamar Smith. It's the Birmingham Stallions, a three-point favorite, 22 implied points, actually uh, the highest implied total of the week. Going against the Houston Gamblers, uh, they're getting three points uh, technically at home, uh, 19 implied point total for them. And I feel like the Jamar Smith part, Pete, the Osiris Mitchell, Victor Bolden, pretty fertile ground here for the Birmingham Stallions if you want to go that way. But what's your ride or die pick? Yeah, um, you know, looking at things, it looks like Victor Bolden uh, is going to be very popular again. Um, and he is not showing up in the Sims with a frequency to kind of justify that it would appear. So he kind of looks like, uh, a fade to me. Um, I'll say I'll throw out a cheap guy who, uh, played decent last week on Birmingham instead, uh, Marlon Williams, only 3000. I think he looks like one of the better point per dollar plays and, um, you know, is projecting kind of right in line with some of the top wide receivers. So, you know, I see his ownership sub 10%. Um, Marlon Williams looks, uh, looks pretty good to me. Isaiah Zuber is the way that I'm going to go here. Projected really well by Austin. Projected very poorly by Run the Sims. Luck box a touchdown last week. He is former NFL practice squad guy. I think actually might have actually played in some games for the Patriots in that 2020 season as well. But I'll say, Pete, if Isaiah Zuber scores... Um, What's the what's the low number for Isaiah Zuber fantasy points for it to count as as what would be a ten pointer normally in Rider Dies? Well, I could I could tell you too, looking at the because on the run the Sims you can see the projected you know median projected seventy five percent outcome and projected ceiling. So the Zuber ceiling is at thirteen point nine, um, and his median projection is at six point seven seven. So I would say over uh, you know what. Over 13 points. Be a well, what about pointer? the under, though? Because I think he's going to be bad, and I think he's going to be the oh. chalk that busts because people want to play Bolden, and then they go like, oh, I can't play Bolden, so they're going to play Zuber, and I think Zuber is also going to be bad. All right, so his floor projection is 1.4, so <laughs> I would say if he's like under 3, I give you it. I'll take under three for the 10 pointer here. I am not a believer in the Houston gamblers. I'm not a believer in Isaiah Zuber. Uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. And again, Osmo has a really good projection on him, but it's actually the biggest discrepancy between Osmo and run the Sims projections on the week is one Isaiah Zuber at 9,500. So that is a, a tough price tag. I, and the Sunday I night just realized the, you didn't call me out on it. I was, I mean, I was using more our, um, ride or die as in how we would do it for showdown where I just give the showdown captain. Uh, I realized I wasn't giving actual, point well, this isn't an official right? one like we're not having okay. willis enter it so i feel like we, we can i know it's such a serious important game normally but yeah. i figure we could play a little fast than those of the usfl yeah um dylan yes all the homies called me uh peter overzealous in school it was right after they stopped calling me peter uh millimeter peter um, then I got the overzealous nickname. Yeah, it was a nice show. That is honestly, that'd be a very cruel nickname, Millimeter Peter. Whereas I don't think enough kids know the word overzealous. They <laughs> really gravitate towards that one. No, it was uh, Millimeter Peter. I got over zit when I went through an acne phase uh, in high school. So yeah.
I used to get Christopher Columbus, which I like, I guess in hindsight is more problematic. But like when I was in, you know, little like grade school or whatever, like, oh, wow, you're calling me the guy that we're all learning in history books, discovered America. Like, wow, what a sick <laughs> burn. It was also Italian, too. But, you know, in hindsight, again, very problematic. And maybe they were ahead of the curve. They weren't ready to welcome you to the family, is what <laughs> no, it sounds they were like. Not. Last game, the Sunday main event, we got the Breakers and the Bandits, uh, plus two and a half for the Breakers. So they're getting 19 implied points. The Bandits getting 21 and a half implied points. Uh, Jordan Taemu, a bit of a chalk disappointment, but really just didn't have to do much against that Pittsburgh team. Um, Pete, I'll let you go first again, because this is actually a, a unique game here where I think it might be fun football on Sunday. And I, and I hope it does get the attention that people are maybe willing to give the USFL, because this is clearly the marquee game of the weekend. Spags, are you feeling the, you know, the USFL, um, I don't know, hive mind starting to fall in love with the breakers? It does seem like they might be America's team here in another week or two. You think it's all because of Dave the Wave that people <laughs> that the code of that name and that branding really got it over the top for everybody? Well, him and Sal Canella, of course, the Italian stallion <laughs> tight end sensation. <laughs> the greatest tight end of football. And uh, yeah, I think of Salvetri when I see his name, and I think that brings us all great joy. But anyway, Pete, when you want your rider dies, but please don't make it Dave the Wave related because, again, Splash was right there, and it is a tremendous affront by the Breakers to not go with the name that is synonymous with our show. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jordan Lasley um, as my ride or die pick. I know people are excited about uh, who I, I believe the ETR guys are calling Cheyenne O'Gronk. Um, and you know he's projecting well only only five thousand, but he's gonna be popular. He's gonna be real popular. Jordan Lasley is gonna come in with a fraction of the ownership. Uh, Justin doesn't have he does have him with uh, a much lower projection than. Cheyenne, but also has him as the next highest projected wide receiver with Tampa Bay. We know, you know, just a, a single touchdown can easily swing those projections in one direction or the other. So I'll take the massive ownership discount at the same price. And uh, Jordan Lasley looked pretty good last week, has decent um, pedigree as well. So I'm ready to go back to Lasley. So I'm actually going to go a different direction here. And I will say that, of course, for the Sunday showdown for the Breakers and Bandits, that will all be lining up to play. Uh, Two tight ends, Pete, in that winning lineup between Sal Canella and Cheyenne O'Grady. Guys who really, uh, you know, the XFL was not great with tight ends besides Donald Parham, who we've talked a lot about in this show, is like kind of the, the prototypical guy to break out of the XFL at that tight end position. But Canella and O'Grady, I thought, were the best receivers on both teams collectively last week. And um, it kind of seems counterintuitive to go with two tight ends when you can play wide receivers. But like these guys are both kind of lanky and, and also good middle-of-the-field targets. And... I think they can both get there. And I, I like the O'Gronk nickname. I like that we're, it's always funny to compare these guys who are like fundamentally shit to like these really <laughs> great players where it's like, yeah, lots of Gronk vibes with Cheyenne O'Grady who couldn't even make a practice squad. Yeah. I mean, it is funny looking at the, you know, the highest projected players in this game. Obviously the top two are the quarterbacks. The next two are the running backs, TJ Logan, BJ Evans. Those are going to be popular. And then the highest projected pass catchers for both of these teams are the tight ends. Uh, O'Gronk and uh, Sal, welcome to the family, Canella. So um, I just feel like, I mean, in the same we've seen with NFL, right? I mean, tight end production can be very volatile. It can be reliant on touchdowns. And I'm kind of willing to... Uh, chalk it up a little bit to, you know, randomness in a small sample size and, and maybe utilize some of the non tight end pass catchers a bit more if, if they're going to be super popular. No, I think it's an interesting wrinkle. And maybe it's one of those things that I'd like, there's some USFL blocking rule that we're not tuned into. Ivan, of course, did go to the breakers game last week and met Dave the wave. And, um, he doesn't have glowing reviews in the chat, it seems. So at least maybe he hasn't been bought like our pal, Justin Freeman has by the, just a glad hand from Dave, the wave. That's right. Yeah. I I never, I saw your photo, uh, outside the stadium. Give us in the chat, the, uh, a little TLDR on your experience. We'll pull it up on, on the screen here. Curious how that went. And while you're doing that, Dylan asked, do you think Tiama will be chalked this week? I do. Um, I think he's going to still be the most popular quarterback followed by, uh, Scott. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think if, if we get, you know, full on confirmation that Magoo's not going to play at all, I think Jamar Smith is going to be very popular as well. 
Yeah, I think Brian Scott has is the one who has a shot to be the chalk this week. I mean, I would think it's still going to be Tamu because people talk themselves into, oh, he didn't you know play really more than that first quarter where he had 100 passing yards. But he was more of a pocket passer last week, too, where it didn't seem like they wanted him to get out and run, maybe because of that Todd Haley offense. Brian Scott, I think Philadelphia is going to relish putting up points on a, that Pittsburgh defense that was so bad. So I think Brian Scott will be justifying whatever high ownership he gets. Um, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to touch on, Peter? Is it time to dig into that rookie sophomore draft? Yeah, um, I don't think there was anything else to uh, to discuss. Maybe we can, uh, yeah, let's hop into uh, the underdog uh, draft. They had, of course, their their super flex drafts filled on Wednesday. We were trying to sneak into one on ship chasing to do one final one, and it literally filled about an hour before the show. But there is still uh, space in the rookies and sophomore drafts, so I say we uh, rip one of these off. All right, pull that up, and yeah, let's go. If you want to play along with us over on Underdog, get in right now and use that promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100 over on Underdog. And again, we play on these drafts every single week here. We're going to keep doing it all summer long. Lots of different formats. This one's the rookies and sophomores, again, to celebrate the NFL draft coming up next week. But either way, uh, get on board with Underdog. Use that promo code SPLASH right now. Actually, one last question from the USFL, Pete. Family man, pop it in the chat specifically for your Luis Perez takes. Uh, do you think he's playable this week? I would say no for that timeshare uh, with DeAndre Johnson no I, I don't think he's I don't think he's playable um yeah I mean if you want to you know galaxy brain it a little bit in the same way you know uh with Jamar Smith kind of coming on for for you know them and you if you identify um you know the super low owned quarterback that ends up playing the whole game but uh I don't I don't think it's worth it all right, so let's let's get it going. And Willis trying to time it out. Apparently, got into the room too soon. But um, we don't want to give it make it easy, Pete, because people have proven time and time again on these drafts we do on the stream that it's just plus EV to go against us because we're talking through our picks on the show. That's right. You know, we got to keep you on your toes. I like to balance our our range. Sometimes when I pull up the screen share, I automatically register. Sometimes I sit on it. Um, but we we've been punished. We didn't get the one on one. No, that's well, you know, you're not influencing as hard as you usually could. Maybe if you had a nice beer for yourself on a Friday. Oh <laughs> God. I I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get a beard here. A beard it's crazy or a beard. Both. Unrelated <laughs> to like actually related to beers, but like the Friday beers like meme account or whatever, the fact that like is some guy did that and now is like making untold money and like Dua Lipa's even commented on like uh that like that's one of those baffling things to me that have occurred in social media over the last three to five years. Yeah, I, I'm actually not familiar with that account. What is oh, it? It's like they basically would post like meme videos related to drinking beers on Friday. And then now it's become like a lifestyle brand as like many of these meme accounts try to be. And, um, you know, like I, I'll never knock the hustle, but it's just one of those things where it's like we put in like we do our shows. We put in efforts of being competent at knowing something. And then it ends up being like, yeah, just post funny, like already existing memes related to drinking beer and you'll be crushing it. Yeah. Wow. Um, who, who knew there are these corners of the internet that I'm not even privy to. How could you? I'm disappointed. I'm actually surprised you didn't know that one. I'm sure there's a big Peter Overs at Friday beers overlap. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, overlap. the weekend. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think we should get Lance with one of these picks. Yeah, I think we should. I, we did that last time too, but if he's going to be there, I feel like we'd be fools not to take him. And I'm like, I'm really coming around on Brees Hall being hmm. kind of undervalued, but I'm also open to, to Waddle or Pitts. We don't, I don't think we've taken Pitts in a rookie sophomore draft, but I'm certainly not opposed to Brees Hall. Like I think he's like, he's going to be the top running back taken. I don't think there's any ambiguity to that now. Yeah. I mean, the main things I'm thinking about in this draft are like, who, who are the guys that could really fully separate from the position? Uh, obviously Jamar chase can just run laps around all the other wide receivers. Um, and I think there are downside scenarios for Najee this year. I think, you know, Javante could very well end up in a committee again, as much as we don't want that to happen. Um, but just the more I hear people talk about Brees Hall's profile and what a good prospect he is. I mean, I feel like there's a chance that he could just have a massive RB one kind of season. And so I think getting mixing and exposure to him in these drafts is makes a ton of sense. 
it still wouldn't shock me if like a Kenneth Walker ended up in the better spot and then kind of takes that jump. But like, I'm with you on it. I think he's, he seems like he's the clear cut number one in terms of talent. It's just like, what if he ends up in like Philly or something like weird like that? And he's getting out of deal with Miles Sanders and that bullshit. It would just be very tedious. Yeah. I mean, you could also end up with the, Oh, sorry. We're on the clock. Yeah. Um, that definitely I mean, a really nice spot for, for wide receivers here. Yeah. I feel like Elijah Moore would be, would be my choice. Yep. And then I don't mind Amon Ra St. Brown coming back. But we, do you, we do you like Amon Ra over Devonta Smith or are you just being a USC homer? I think I'm, I think, no, I'm I think in terms of the target floor, I feel like Amon Ra I'd put above Devonta Smith. Like I, I just don't trust they're going to let Hertz throw a lot. Whereas like Detroit seems like they're going to throw a lot in a different, a lot of different situations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I do prefer Devonta Smith, but I don't mind. Uh, I guess both of these are homer picks for you. You got your alma mater and your your hometown birds. That's true. Yeah, I, I'm known to love the Eagles here. I really live and die by them week after week. But uh, we got the we got Hurts and we had like a nice little stack with the Eagles last time out. I think it wasn't Hurts, but um, yeah, last we did the Trey Lance Elijah Mitchell little mm-hmm. San Francisco stack last time. I think we did. Um, in the the last Superflex draft we did, we got a Hurts Devonta Smith one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah, I've been getting blocking. a decent amount of those. I was inverted. Uh definitely liking his team there. Has the Lawrence ETN stack, gets Chase up top, and then adds Burks there. We are back on the clock. I mean, I say we go full USC with Drake London here. <laughs> I support that conceptually. Drake London, uh sports info solutions. We did a crossover show with I think I plugged it on Monday, but honestly worth the time uh watching Football Outsiders did one with uh Aaron Schatz, Mike Tanier, and then Matt from uh Sports Info Solutions as well as Mike Tan- uh, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM. And I thought that they had some interesting takes about um on SIS about Drake London and how like he basically beat press coverage at a level that nobody else in the league did or in college football did. And I feel like that's one of those spots where um degrades out really well for NFL prospects is if they can beat press coverage a lot in college. Uh Kenneth Walker, I like, and I think if we get yeah. him and Brees Hall, we've got the top two running backs. Yeah, that's what I was thinking uh there for for running back. It is really interesting too. I, I think it was on ship chasing maybe we did or maybe it was another show they're all blurring together now but like asking where Ramondre Stevenson would fit in to this running back class as a prospect and it's kind of interesting to see the ADPs oh it was on the swole cast and we were asking Rich Rebar that where he would slot him and he's like I think you could probably make a case for him as the number third or the number three guy after Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker and it's kind of funny seeing that the ADP almost agrees with that putting Ramondre uh, ahead of Spiller and kind of speaks to how weak this running back class is after the top two also Connor saying Amon Ra over Devonta Smith seems like a hot take I don't like based on what Amon Ra did, in the, did it on the stretch last year I feel like that's not a hot take am I am I wrong here like I really like I'm not biased I actually was really disappointed by Amon Ra to start the year but he's getting like 10 targets a game down the home stretch and looking very good with all of them I mean, I, like I said, I am Devonta Smith over Amon Ra, but I don't necessarily think it's a hot take. Um, I think they both have, you know, they, they're different types of wide receivers with how they win, but they both like flashed um, in year one in a way that I think can point to a, a, a good year two leap. But I think there's probably more ways. Uh, let me articulate this after we make our picks. I think, I we, think we should get Davis another Mills. quarterback. Yeah. Who? I think it's Davis Mills time. We can do Davis Mills. Um, and then I do not like this running back range. So I would probably be, you know, Pickens or Sky Moore here. Or you yeah. Nico, you for whatever. I, I, I might this might burn me, but I feel like we could get Nico um in another round. Okay. Um I like Pickens more just because of the the body type and the size, but I know you are a Sky Moore guy. So if you want Sky Moore, we, okay. Good. No, like Thank I you. said, I get my Sky Moore exposure on ship chasing and I get my USC's uh <laughs> and and George Pickens. No, I was just gonna say about um I see the path to things going wrong for Amon Ra a little easier just because I think he was a little bit more reliant on volume and was getting monster volume down the stretch. I do really think TJ Hawkinson's gonna take another step forward um this year. Obviously, DJ Chark there as a more commanding thing. So I, it's not, I feel like Amon Ra has a pretty high floor. Um, but I do think if he loses two to three targets a game, he won't have access to the ceiling he had down the stretch. But he, he was really good with yeah. everyone knowing he was the main focal point of their offense. And I don't want to discount that either. And I've been 
sprinkling in both of them. Um, someone, I mean, this is just the biggest troll. Every time I say a guy's going to come. <laughs> I think that's FF Doom, right? He's Pecan Pecan. Oh, is it? I thought so. I, Somebody I can't keep track. Um, all right. I would say, let you want to take Spiller here and just get all the rookies and one of them? Sure. Yeah. We, I feel like well, one of them's going to end up in a good spot. You got to think. Yeah, I think we're done at quarterback. We could grab another uh, grab another wide receiver. No, FF Doom is FF Doom. Yeah, sorry, FF Doom. I thought, but somebody's speaking at Pecan, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I am myself. Oh, I'm telling you, it's every <laughs> every week the one guy we can't identify is lurking in the chat. <sighs> um, who else here? I feel like I've seen a lot of David Bell hype recently, but I'm always I like Josh Palmer in every in every situation. Yeah, I like Palmer too. Um okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah Willis. I, not a bad team. No, it's it's. I mean, I will say with these drafts, they're very fun. It, but you always generally like your team. I think mm -hmm. a good bit, unless you really get squeezed out on quarterback and you just kind of hate your quarterbacks. It's pretty hard not to like your team. I feel like. Yeah, I think that's pretty that's pretty reasonable to say. Um, I just like that we cornered the rookie market on running backs entirely. Like maybe Brian Robinson will be a goal line back of some value, but like in terms of guys who have a shot to be bell cow backs, like those three rookies are the ones I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Spiller is the one where things could go wrong just because mm -hmm. it seems yeah. like any of these third running backs could <laughs> um go um in that spot and you can't be surprised tough 420 this week pete based on, <laughs> based on that call <laughs> <clears throat> had a smoothie right before we went on air oh okay that's that's what we're calling <clears throat> yes um spags <laughs> i did i i know i didn't even uh really celebrate 420 i was a fraud oh alex got a medicinal card here in pennsylvania so now we're covered on the home front <laughs> <laughs> we're, there you go. Doing good. Um, uh, Dylan screaming for Herbert. I like Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Um, why not? And then, yeah, I think we can go running back or wide receiver here. I've been drafting a decent amount of Zamir White um, as another rookie running back I like, but we could also go with a wide receiver. Although, oh, maybe we get the stack if we are going to go Davis Mills, toss in Brevin yeah. Jordan. I think that's fair. Yeah, because we got scooped on, on Nico Collins. Maybe we'll lock into one of these other receivers ending up in Houston, but I think at least Brevin Jordan showed something on a pure snap basis last year, you know, if not overall the body of work. Yeah. Yeah. So our team, Trey Lance, Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, Kenneth Walker, Davis Mills, George Pickens, Isaiah Spiller, Josh Palmer, Khalil Herbert. Brevin Jordan. So thematically, we have cornered the market on the best rookie running backs. We have a USC theme running through. We have a Houston stack, and we even have a very unconventional uh, Herbert to Palmer stack. Not the Justin Herbert to Palmer, <laughs> but the Khalil Herbert. The better of the Herberts, many here <laughs> sitting out there right now. Also to tack on to the, the Amon Ross St. Brown conversation, part of the reason I do like him too, and people were talking about the second year leap, but I also like DJ Chark, like he's a downfield receiver. He's going to open something up, up, you know, in, the, in that Detroit offense that wasn't there last year. Like it was Quintez Cephas actually not doing terribly getting the ball downfield, Josh Reynolds for portions. Like Chark is an upgrade on that, even coming off of an injury. So I think if anything, it could open up a little more room for Amon Ross St. Brown, even if it does hurt the overall volumes. So that's my little more logic there to defend my seemingly homerish pick. Yeah. Dylan asking if Mills is good. I mean, Mills was surprisingly good uh, this season. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Houston probably isn't just sitting back like we have our franchise QB and we never have to look for one ever again, but I think he's going to get, he's going to get a crack at it and he deserves a crack at it. He's just, it's a bummer for him in that it doesn't seem like the team is actively looking to surround him with a bunch of wide receiver weapons and they're going to, uh, they're probably going to struggle to find playmakers, but I don't know. He, he looked pretty solid to me last year. They're bringing back Brandon Cooks. Like, I feel like that's at least giving you one weapon outside that can do something. And, you know, hopefully Nico Collins gets better. They bring in a rookie, you know, Brevin Jordan, who we took here, like certainly can get there. I feel like Davis Mills, like, I don't know if you feel differently, Pete, but I feel like Davis Mills is going to be in the league for 10 years. And I find it hard to believe otherwise. Like he'll just, even if he's not great, he's like at least backup caliber. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look how it's just so hard for, um, 
franchises to find good quarterbacks. Here's a, here's an interesting question. Where do you think Davis Mills would go in this NFL draft? Like relative, because you, you have a pretty important data point, which is he can be solid in the NFL. He's probably number three on the list. I feel like Ritter maybe could talk people into him a little bit more with the track record. And I guess if you're an RPO uh, team out there, maybe you want Matt Corral. But like, I think to me, Mills probably feels like QB three. I don't, like, I don't think you'd go ahead of Pickett or Willis. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he would. Well, I would say, yeah, I think Pickett and Willis are kind of those two guys that are locked, but I, I do think he'd probably be the third quarterback off the yeah. board in this year's draft. I mean, he was like, that was a really shitty situation in Houston last year, both for everybody, like in the organization as well. Um, Davis would be a first rounder. P camp become saying, I don't know if I think that I think he's a cusp first rounder late sec or, you know, beginning of the second round guy. But I feel like overall, like if you knew what that coming in, that he would be in Houston taking beatings really to, with no, not a lot of talent around. him. it was really just cooks. And, and you could say Collins, but Collins didn't really do a whole lot. Like, I feel like overall, like that's the kind of thing that NFL teams gravitate towards. Just knowing that you're going to get at least replacement level play. And, and Davis Mills to me uh, for rookie sophomore draft, maybe not the be all end all, but like replacement level play is something. Yeah, it is. Um, Spags, I have perfect timing for a, a segment to close us out on. I did line up in the NFL all day queue. They're doing their first um, throwback pack, the historical in the spotlight. And uh, I'm claiming my pack now if we want to uh, to open that on stream. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I don't think I've I have not logged into NFL all day <laughs> a very long time. I don't think my Amon Ra St. Brown rookie moment is sold yet. Uh, but I'm curious to see how you did with this pack that I know they were hyping pretty heavily over email at least. Yeah, you know, I got to get my my Brett Favre. Uh, I saw someone in the Club VIP Discord pulled a Reggie White. Uh, Willis actually just shared his in there. Ouch. Chris Carter, Charles Tillman, Erlocker, Leroy Butler. Um, so we'll see if I can do better here. All right, fingers crossed for Pete here on NFL All Day. Uh, a cherished place for all of your NFL and FC needs. Thurman Thomas. Ooh. I do love the retro footage. Would have been better if it were OJ, Pete. <laughs> I don't think he made that drop. Uh, damn. FF dude, please do not uh, use me lighting up for a pack as financial advice. Actually, I just knew that. If I, if I, uh, so none of my moments sold, by the way, that I had previously listed. So that's good to know. I, no, I was going to say the real truth, FF Doom, is I know how much Spags's OCD kicks in when we don't get to an hour of runtime for the splash play. And he was worried about having to vamp for seven extra minutes after that draft. And I just swooped in to save him with some built-in programming. That's inaccurate, Pete. I was going to go have another beer, call it a day early Friday here on Splashplay. But now we need to see the rest of this pack. I'm uh, That's when he really kicks in. We got to finish the segment. Oh, Chris Miller, of course. One of our favorites. Are you a big, big Chris Miller guy? <laughs> Honestly, nice fucking throw. I know. That mustache, too. Wow. You know, like, it's been, this is the thing that frustrates me about NFTs in general. Like, this is a sick play, like a really good throw, but Chris Miller, like, who gives a shit? Well, that, that's the that's the whole issue with all of this stuff right now is a big curation uh, problem where it's like there's so many players to, uh, to use and, uh, you know, striking out on ones that make us very excited. But we're not going to lose faith. All right, here we go. All right, Javon Walker, at least we're getting a Bronco. Yeah, of course. Your, your long-lapsed fandom, I'm sure, really kicking in big time with this one. Oh, yeah, this is bringing me right back. Another great play, though. He really did get behind that entire defense, though. I have to say, if, like guys who would be up for a moment, Javon Walker would not be very high on my list as a Bronco. Now, I mean, my, my true, you know... 10-year-old Bronco fan self would love uh, Rod Smith or uh, Ed McCaffrey. Those were, you know, the the wide receivers during those golden years with John Elway, but we'll settle for Javon Walker from 2006. Now let's see what right. number four is. Here we go. Please. Please. Randall Cunningham. Oh, All right. Here we go. Not a great serial on it, but uh, a very good player who's arguably the most ahead of his time of anybody. Yet from what era. a cannon on that one, too. 
that is in stride too, like rolling out of the pocket. That is an insane. We're not game film guys here, Pete, but I think even us laymen could say that's a fucking amazing throw. Check out the combination shoulder pads and massive jersey on this wide receiver here. <laughs> like both those shoulder pads are absurd. That is a Super Bowl shuffle ready outfit for a receiver. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, I like the Randall Cunningham. That one's fun. I feel like you got a good mix here. Like nothing, I presume, that's going to be incredibly valuable. But talent-wise, you got a list of good names and some fun Oh, plays. no, I'm I'm done doing this show. After I open this pack, I'm rich now. <laughs> well, thank you guys for watching this show. Of course, we'll be back on Monday with some more USFL recap, maybe another rookie sophomore draft if we can. But come back at 2.30 Eastern then. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Peter Overzet. And follow at Splash Play Pod. No matter what platform you're on, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, clips are going up on all of them. So go check us out at Splash Play Pod. Uh, Pete, any final words for you? Are you you doing a USFL showdown, Cram, today? No, I, I'm, I'm not. Maybe if um I haven't even looked to see what the showdown contests are for later this weekend. If there's a good one, uh, maybe I'll fire up a Cram. But I have just been posting the best leverage plays in the Discord. But I figured this episode could serve as our proxy uh, for USFL content. We honestly, we took it very seriously and earnestly. And I think we did a good job today with the USFL. We treated it like a sport that it deserves, even if DraftKings won't do that for us. Yeah, no, we are. We we will stick through this um, because otherwise we'll have nothing to talk about. <laughs> That's true. We'll have to just be friends and I'll have to cry on the show more just to have more tragedies pop up. And also quick shout out to everybody out there who did chime in with words of support. I appreciate it a bunch. Obviously, I'm trucking through as best I can, but I'm just very yeah. kind to know, uh, hear from people, whether it be in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or on Instagram or on uh, the Discord, the Positive Kingdom Discord, of course. Uh, just very kind to hear after after I my little heartfelt speech on Monday that my dog, Callie, but I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in here. We'll be back this Monday, 2.30 Eastern, so come hang out then. Enjoy your weekends, guys, and good luck in the USFL. Bye.